as Peter shares his heart. He's not far from death. He is facing a new beginning. I won't say an end because although this phase may stop, there's more beyond. So turn me to 2 Peter chapter 1 and our text reading will be verses 12 through 18. We'll also be spending time in Luke chapter 9 and Matthew chapter 16. You find that as standing God's honor, Second Peter, chapter one, verses twelve through eighteen. So I will always remind you of these things, even though you know them and are firmly established in the truth you now have. I think it is right to refresh your memory as long as I live in the tent of this body, because I know that I will soon put it aside. As our Lord Jesus Christ has made clear to me. And I will make every effort to see that after my departure. You will always be able to remember these things. We did not follow cleverly invented stories. When we told you about the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. But we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For we received honor and glory from God the Father. When the voice came to him from the majestic glory saying. This is my son in whom I love. With him I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this voice that came from heaven when we were with him on the sacred mountain. Let's pray. Master, as we approach you, we are grateful that you do not merely see us as we are, but as we will be. Father, that you do not remember us only in weakness, but in the power that you give. Your word says that we are covered with Jesus, a blanket of grace that covers our sins and gives us a new start. That when the Father sees us, he sees one who is made new, one who's clean. Lord, we take that to heart as we look at your word tonight, as we think about your servant, good old Pete. Father, may our hearts be warmed and may we be reminded that you love us in the same way. In Christ's name, amen. Years ago, Thomas Edison was working on the light bulb. It took him 24 hours to craft the first light bulb. He was excited when finally he finished the light bulb and he wanted to go test it. So he gave it to his young uh, apprentice who took the light bulb in his hands, and as he started up a flight of stairs, he dropped it. So, of course, the young man feared for his life at that point. Thomas Edison um, said, well, actually, he didn't yell at him. He didn't scream, as we might do. (laughs) But he said, come back. We need to get to work. It took another 24 hours of straight work. And when Edison finished the next light bulb, guess what he did? He gave it back to the young man. To carry up those stairs. And boy, I bet this time he had a sure grip. So he went up the stairs and tested the light bulb. Isn't it great to have a second chance when you fall flat on your face? When you make the big boo-boo, you're obviously the one who um, does not deserve another chance, but you receive one. You know, I think of Peter. I think the reason that we so often say, I can really relate to Peter when you say, which one of the apostles, which one of the disciples can you connect to? And most people say Peter. 
You know, Peter was the guy, it seemed like more often than not, his brain was in neutral, but his decisions and his actions were in full throttle. And, and that's a good way to get into trouble, you know. And I, I think of so many instances of that, you know, where, where the Lord's washing feet. And Peter says, if washing your feet make you clean, Lord, I just need the whole bubble bath. I mean, just give me the full work so I can be clean. And, of course, the Lord said, hey, if I wash your feet, that's good enough, Peter. Or there's the time, you know, where Jesus is walking on the water and Peter's pretty much, Lord, let me come out and play. And he began to sink in the water when he lost sight of Jesus. Or, of course, I like to think of the time where, you know, he, he's out in the Garden of Gethsemane and they come to get Jesus and Peter takes out his sword and he swipes and he cuts off Malchus's ear, which was the servant of the Roman guard. And the truth is, guys, he ducked. So Peter wasn't aiming for his ear. He was going to chop his head off. Yeah, and, and then I think of, turn me to Luke 9, and, and uh, this is also in Matthew 16. Peter had his greatest moment and his most embarrassing moment all wrapped up in a few moments. <laughs> in Matthew 16, starting at verse 13, it says, Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, and he asked his disciples, Who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah. Still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. What about you, he asked. Who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Now, this is also in, um, I'm reading from Matthew 16, it's also in Luke 9, and I want to spend some time in in Luke 9. But there's a difference. In, In Luke 9, it stops there. Or Peter has his best moment. I wonder if maybe Peter had, you know, maybe he was a, um, a critic. Maybe he kind of helped there. But, but we get the full story here, the full picture here in Matthew 16, where Peter comes full story of the good and the bad. He, he moves on here, and, and, and Jesus says, this is in Matthew 16, verse 17, Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, which means rock, and on this rock I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Peter, your life will be built upon me and the church will be grounded as I work through you to build my church. It all sounded good. Then we come to verse 21 and Jesus begins to talk about suffering that he will endure. He says that he will die, he will be killed, and on the third day he'll be raised to life. Verse 22, Peter took him aside. And he began to rebuke him, rebuke Jesus. He said, never, Lord, this shall never happen to you. Jesus didn't mince words. He turned to Peter and he said, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. And of course, we know about Peter and on that day where Jesus would be arrested and he would be taken and three times Jesus would uh, um, three times Peter would deny Jesus and then he heard the rooster crow and he came face to face with those words of Jesus that said that you will deny me he was broken he had fallen he had missed God's best out of his fears as he ran 
and yet he was restored. Jesus would, would come to him and he said, feed my sheep, Peter, and you'll be restored. This was Peter's heart. This is what Peter was able to see in the Lord, his forgiveness of his heart. You see, um, in Matthew 16 and in Luke chapter 9, Jesus is talking about what's ahead for him. It's the cross. He's talking about the suffering. He's talking about the resurrection. And as we come to Second Peter chapter 1 here, Peter is an older man, and in his service, he soon will die. And tradition tells us that he was crucified upside down because he said, I'm not worthy to be crucified like Jesus, so crucify me upside down. And he comes in verse 12 of our text. He, he says several times, he says, I, always, I will always remind you of these things. He says, even though you're established, you guys are strong in your faith, but you need to be reminded. Verse 13, he says, I think it's right to refresh your memory as long as I live in the tent of this body because I know I'll soon put it aside. And Jesus has made this clear to me. And he says, until then, verse 15, I will make every effort to see that after my departure, you will always be able to remember these things. Well, what things? Well, he comes back to the start of the chapter. He, he talks about God's power, his divine power, and then he talks about his promises. Peter looks back and he looks at how he was unfaithful and how God forgave him. And I believe that Peter was the man that clung to that divine power that Jesus gave to him. You see, there was a time, and it was a time that's listed in Acts chapter 2, where the Holy Spirit came upon Peter and he preached, and 3,000 came to Christ, and the church began to move as the Holy Spirit descended upon God's people, as God himself began to inhabit the followers of Jesus Christ. And as Peter remembered that, he said, that same divine power still lives within my people. He says, guys, I want you to live within that power. I want you to walk in the Spirit of Christ, to be filled with that Spirit and let that Spirit flow through you and to follow Christ in that power. And I want you to take my promises, which of course are in the Scriptures or in the Word. And that's what I want to remind you of, His power and His promises. May they be close to you. May they be dear to you. And you can't remember that too many times. Because we're prone to stray and we're prone to move away from there. And, and so he, he says several times, remember, remember. He says, hey, my time here in this body, it, it, it's brief. But I'm going to do my best to point you back to his power and to his promises. And then verse 16, he says, these are not cleverly invented stories that we share with you. We're telling you about that power in the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and that we were eyewitnesses of His majesty. And then verse 17, he says, We received honor and glory from God the Father when the voice came from the majestic glory, saying, This is my Son, whom I love. With Him I'm well pleased. And notice what he says in verse 18. He says, We ourselves, this is not secondhand, I was there, guys. We ourselves, I was part of that group, heard this voice. And the voice came from heaven when we were with him, with Jesus, on that sacred mountain. Now, this is recorded. Let's uh, go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 9. 
And he's talking about that experience here when he talks about what happened on that sacred mountain, that he was an eyewitness of that divine power of Jesus Christ. And so in Luke chapter 9, starting at verse 28, there's the account. It says, about eight days after Jesus said this, and this is the confession about what would await him when Peter had rebuked Jesus. Eight days later, he took Peter, John, and James with him, and they went up onto a mountain to pray. As he was praying, the appearance of his face changed. His clothes became as bright as a flash of lightning. Two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared in glorious splendor talking with Jesus. It's interesting here, in the Greek, it, of course it says there's a splendor and there was a brilliance as, as they were glowing, but there's a focus here that speaks about to see clearly, to know fully. And so when they looked upon Jesus and when they looked upon the two that were with him, they shone in a way where they could see them clearly. They could see a brilliance that was of God upon them. And, and there was within him, within Jesus, a definite um, goal that he was striving for as we read about through here and and here's peter i, I love it in the story i'm just read this as we go on because uh it says here that they spoke about it says two men moses and elijah appeared in glorious splendor talking to jesus and they spoke about his departure which would he was about to bring to fulfillment at jerusalem what was he talking about the cross they were talking about what was going to happen was the cross calvary and Moses was representative of the law. Elijah representative of the prophets, which was the tradition of the Jews. The prophets and the law, that, that was God speaking. And as they talked to Jesus, there's the picture that the law and the prophets would be fulfilled in Jesus Christ because Jesus said, I didn't come to abolish the law and the prophets. I came to complete, to fulfill the law and the prophets. And so as they spoke, they spoke about Calvary that was around the corner that was going to complete the law and the prophets, that the promises and the power of God would come to fulfillment. And this is what Peter saw. This is what Peter was able to witness firsthand. But uh, let, let's go on in, in the account here because it's just so Peter. <laughs> Peter and his companions were very sleepy. I understand, Pete. But when they became fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men standing with him. As the men were leaving Jesus, Peter said to him, Master, it's good for us to be here. Let's put up three shelters. Uh, three lean-tos. We're going to have a camping trip here, guys. That's what we Come on, Lord. <laughs> Let's put up three shelters. One for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. I just love this footnote in, in my Bible 33. He did not know what he was saying. I thought, how often are we all like that? God, I have it all figured out. God, I have my instructions for you. God, um, let me tell you how to handle this. I've written it down clearly for you to follow. I have no idea what I'm talking about. Why? Because as I've said so many times, although we're all control freaks, we don't control anything. 
At any moment, our lives can change. I certainly had no idea I would be spending the week in the hospital with my youngest son, that any that that would happen, and that he's still there. But you know, God is in control of our schedules, and at any moment, things can change. We should not take our blessings for granted. And we should live within His promises and His power. Notice here it says that while He was speaking, it says, verse 34, a cloud appeared, enveloped them. They were afraid as they entered the cloud. And here's the voice, verse 35, came from the cloud saying, This is my Son whom I've chosen. Listen to Him. When the voice had spoken, they found Jesus was alone. The disciples kept this to themselves and told no one at the time what they had seen. So, what was happening? They were thinking and not talking. They were pouring their hearts out to God instead of just pouring their hearts out to everybody else. And we tend to do the opposite and we pour our hearts there out there by else and then we pour our hearts out to God God says I want you to think on this a while I want you to pray in my presence what you have seen and years have passed and and now Peter comes back in second Peter and he says I want to remind you of these things I experienced firsthand his power his presence his promises and, and God's there for you to attain as well I saw that glory firsthand, and that glory is still available to the one who places their confident trust in Jesus Christ, to the one who learns to walk in His Spirit, to the one who learns to attain His power by submitting oneself to Him and saying, God, I'm yours. I don't understand what's next, but Lord, I'm yours. As Thomas was talking about this morning, the fellowship course, yes, Lord, before even the question comes. To, to be in that attitude, in that heart, in that sense. I, I want to show you something here, too. Um, it's interesting in Luke 9, right after this account, look at verse 37. It says, The next day when they came down from the mountain. You see, they, they were on the mountain. They were praying. They were in the place of worship. But there was a time to come down from the mountain. You see, the power and the promises of God take us to the mountaintop when we're able to really see clearly that His promises and His power are ours. But it's not just to stay up there on the mountain and say, God, I am so blessed. Let me just kind of wiggle and enjoy you. No, it doesn't stop there. There's a time to come down to the mountain where people are and to love people. And that's what happened here. It says the next day they came down from the mountain. And as you read down through the text here, this man comes out of the crowd and he, he talks about his son. And he says, the spirit seizes my son, throws him into convulsions. He, he tells Jesus he's desperate. He, he said, hey, I spoke to your disciples to drive out this spirit. And Jesus speaks. He says, oh, unbelieving, perverse generation, how long is this going to happen? But... In the end, he looked at the boy and he had compassion. And he healed the boy. It, it, it says, um, verse 42, it says, Even while the boy was coming, the demon threw him to the ground in a convulsion, but Jesus rebuked the evil spirit, healed the boy, and gave him back to his father. Isn't that great? I love that. that, that verse. Gave him back to his father. There was this joyous reunion of it. He and his son were able to once again be healed and together. 
That's the kind of stuff Jesus does. He, he heals us from our sin and, and He brings us together. He restores what's broken. He, he, he heals. That, that's, that's the work of Christ. That's His Spirit. That's what He's about. And, and that's what He did in this case. Verse 43, it says, And they were all amazed at the greatness of God. While everyone was marveling at all that Jesus did, He said to His disciples, He says, I'm about to be betrayed. But they didn't understand all that he had said. And now go down to, uh, we're going to skip over a couple of verses to verse 51. Notice I said that when it talked about the brilliance and, and, and it talked about the dazzling um, state and the splendor, that there was a terminology that is with to know, to see clearly. And, and Jesus saw clearly what was ahead for him. Verse 51, what a powerful verse of Luke 9. He says, as the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. There were many tasks that had to be done every day. But there was one task, no matter what the little tasks were, Jesus knew that what lay ahead was Jerusalem. Guys, he knew what lay ahead was the cross. He knew what lay ahead was pain and death. But he resolutely set out for that. Aren't you grateful? Man, I am. He never wavered from that task. Yeah, he was in the garden and he said, Lord, if you'll take this cup away, take it away. <laughs> but not your will, my will. And that was his will to be a sacrifice, to do what we could not do and pay a price that we couldn't pay to cover our sin. That, that's the good news. That's the story. Too often in church we say, well, this is my church. Got news for you. It's not my church. It's not your church. It's his church. I, I read about, I read about that. They, you know, funny thing, one of the uh, churches, you know, the church blooper things, lady said that she saw this church. It was St. Peter's Church. But the S had fallen off, so it said, ain't Peter's church. <laughs> and uh, like I said, it ain't Todd's church, and, you know, put all our names in here. It be the church belongs to Christ. And, and what I love about Christ, there's a, there's a story of uh, Thomas Jefferson when he was president, and they were about to pass this river. That The river was high, and Thomas Jefferson and some others were on horseback, and they were coming through, and a, and a man needed help because he couldn't cross over. It was too deep. And so he surveyed the different men that were coming, and he saw President Jefferson. He didn't know it was a president. And he said, um, can I ride with you across the river? And he said, of course you can. Hop up. So President Jefferson helped him on back of the horse. He got across. And another guy said, did you know that's President Jefferson? He has to go across. He goes, no. He said, well, why did you ask him? He said, well, you know, I looked at the different faces. Some faces say no, and some faces say yes, and his was a yes face. <laughs> And so I said, can I do it? Jesus has a yes face. His promises and His power. I, I love it. Um, I think it's 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Uh, I think it's verse 20. Somewhere. Let's turn there. Sometimes my memory may not be working. So um, 2 Corinthians. Let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and see if... Uh, I think it's verse 20. Let's see. Um, yeah, it says, For no matter... How many promises God has made, 
they are yes in Christ. (laughs) And so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. Yes. Jesus has that yes face as he wants to bless, as he wants us to follow. You see, it's it's about the mountain, the the power, the the promises. Um, it, it comes from that experience with Christ. It, it's not just book facts. It's Jesus, and it's an experience, and it's an ongoing relationship. And He has to do that. It's not something that we can conjure up. It's something He has to do in us as followers. For us to have His power and for us to have His presence, He has to seek us. As I said this morning in Romans 3, um, 10 and 11, it says there's none that understandeth, none that seeketh after God. We need to know He's seeking us because our search for Him, it's not enough. I, I love that picture in the poem where He's called the hound of heaven, that He's in pursuit of you because His love is so great. With that yes face, he's, he's chasing you down and, and he wants to embrace you with his grace and, and to find that kind of love. And people need to see that kind of love. And he's decided he's going to show it through a bunch of weak... I don't know what the word is. Us. <laughs> Weakness. <laughs> his strength is available. Peter was headed to his death. He was headed to be crucified upside down. But before he left, what he was wanting to share with the church still needs to be shared today. We need to be reminded constantly that there is a power and there are promises that more than sustain us. That more than sustain us. Back to Second Peter chapter 1 as I get ready to close. This section of Scripture, Second uh, Peter 1, it great section of Scripture, uh, some time ago, I tried to work on, on memorizing. He, he talks about, he starts out there, as I said, his power, verse 3, his promises, verse 4. Then he gives a list of qualities that he says make every effort to add. Um, and, and he goes through that list. And then verse 8, he says, if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, as you walk with Jesus and as you grow in Him, these things are going to be more clearly seen by other people. And he says here, verse 8, he says, if you possess these in increasing measure, they'll keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, you'll be more than a spectator in the faith. You'll be participating. Sharing his grace. Participating in that grace. And and notice what he says, verse 9. This verse kind of haunts me, guys. He says, if anyone does not have them, he is nearsighted and blind and has forgotten that he has been cleansed from his past sins. That's some heavy stuff. God, help, help me not forget that I've been cleansed from my past sins. We don't want to be nearsighted. God, help us see clearly. You see, when Peter looked and he saw Jesus and he saw Elijah and he saw Moses, and I believe at that point it became clear to him, the law and the prophets make sense with Jesus. 
We, we need the law. We need the prophets. But what we need more than anything is it all coming together in the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. Let's, let's pray. Lord, uh, thank you for your word. Thank you for Peter as, Father, he was soon headed to a death because he loved you. But he wanted other Christians to know that you love them just like he found love. Peter really screwed up a lot, but he found a God that said yes. Yes, I love you, Peter. Yes, I'm going to work through you, Peter. And I thank you that that's still true today. We often think that God couldn't use me. Well, why would God choose me? Well, I can't answer that, but it doesn't matter. What matters is that's your heart, God. And thank you that you do choose to work in us, Father. And, and I just pray in this time we call invitation. What are you up to, Lord? Maybe you're speaking to us about a ministry that you want us to do. Someone you want us to talk to. Someone you want us to pour out your love to. And, and maybe before we can pour out your love to someone else, we need to let that love fill us. So maybe there's someone here who just needs to be loved by Jesus tonight. Who needs to remember Jesus and what he did at Calvary and how he wants to forgive and how he wants to cuddle your grace. And Father, we just want to hear from you and, and this time we call invitation or response. May we just say yes to whatever you ask. And we just thank you for a chance tonight to come again in your presence. So speak to us and work through us. In Christ's name we pray.